Welcome to Thrive Church. I am so happy that you are here with us. My name is Judah, lead pastor here of Thrive Church. And whether you're with us here in Terryville, Torrington, New Britain, or online, we welcome you to Thrive Church as we begin a brand new series called Miracle Worker. And isn't it good to know that we serve a God who does miracles? Isn't that a good thing? I mean, that there is no problem that you face in your life that is bigger than what our God can handle. And, and so throughout this series, we're going to be taking a look at different miracles that Jesus did as he walked on this earth leading up to our Easter celebration. So today, I have a question for you. Have you ever ran out of something before? If you've ever run out of something, raise your hand. If you've ever run out of something, okay, you ran out of something. You know, maybe, maybe you ran out of food. Isn't that the worst thing? Like, like you have, uh, you know, a, a party, you have company over, and then you run out of food. Like, that's pretty awkward situation to be in. Or maybe you've run out of money, right? That, that's another bad situation where you've got too much month and not enough income to supply that. Or you're cooking something, and in the middle of the cooking process, you realize that you've run out of a key ingredient, you know, and then you have to run out to the store to get this uh, supply. If you've ever run out of something, if not, you haven't been around very long because around this time last year was when we went into our, you know, lockdown because of COVID and there was all kinds of things that people in our world ran out of. They ran out of toilet paper, right? Like you go to the stores and there was no toilet paper anywhere. Some of you are still sitting on a hundred years supply of toilet paper in your basements, okay? You know, because we, we didn't want to run out of that. You know what another thing people ran out of was uh, well, hand sanitizer. You couldn't find that. And you know what else people, people ran out of? flour, right? Because everybody was baking bread. It's like, okay, you know what? We're locked down. It's Little House on the Prairie now. Like, we're baking our own bread. We're raising our own chickens. And, you know, we'll eat the mice in the basement if we have to. You know, we felt like we were running out of things. And maybe you've run out of other things. You know what I tend to run out of is, is gas. You know, that, that's a horrible thing to run out of. You're driving down the road. I've been on the interstate. I've been on back roads. I've been all different places and run out of gas, and, and I'm doing the, the hike of shame to the gas station to buy a gas can, because they won't let you put it in anything, and you gotta buy the gas can and fill it up, walk back to the car, get enough gas to come back to the gas station to finish filling up the car. Running out of something at the very best is embarrassing, and at the very worst, it could be life or death, right? I mean, running out of gas in a car is an inconvenience. Running out of gas in an airplane could be a lot more tragic. It has bigger consequences associated with it. So today we're going to be looking at Jesus's very first miracle. The very first miracle that Jesus ever did. And the Gospel of John, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all tell the account of Jesus. However, the one by John, the Apostle John, is the only one that mentions this story. Now, maybe the others didn't see it as significant enough. You know, the, the stories they would tell had to do with Jesus casting out demons or, or healing blind people. 
making the lame to walk, multiplying fish and bread, walking on the water, resurrections, those kind of things. But this miracle probably seemed a little more mundane. But it's also interesting that that in the Gospel of John, if you ever get the chance to read it, and I would encourage you to do so, that when John begins his letter, his book, he doesn't begin by showing the lineage and pedigree of Jesus. Many of the other authors, they say, well, well, Jesus' parents were this, and great-grandparents were this, and great-great-grandparents were this, and great-great-great-great-grandparents, and look, he came from the line of David, so this gives validity to who he is. John didn't bother with any of that. He just started out with this. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So all along, John is is establishing the fact that Jesus is God. He says the Word, who he was referencing Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's talking about how Jesus was in fact God. He wanted to show this. And here we pick up in the second chapter of John, the first verse, it says, the next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Now, the next day implies things happened previous to this. Well, some of the things that happened previous was Jesus went to his cousin, John the Baptist, and he was baptized in the Jordan River. And then the next day and the next day, Jesus was wandering around meeting some people. And then three days later is where we find ourselves now. Three days after Jesus was baptized, he finds himself in the village of Cana of Galilee at a wedding celebration. It says Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, at this time, the best that we can tell is Jesus only had about five disciples at this time. He didn't have all 12 yet. He had just started two days earlier recruiting them, and now they are going to this wedding. It says that they were also invited. This implies to me that the person whose wedding this was was probably uh, a friend, a relative, or at the very least an acquaintance of Jesus. It says it was in Cana in Galilee. Cana was a very small town, but it was right next to another small town, Nazareth, where we know Jesus spent a lot of time. And, and so very likely it was a a friend or family member who was getting married because Jesus was there, his mom was there, and Jesus' disciples were there. So they're there together, they're celebrating this wedding. And verse 3 says, The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. And we know what a tragic situation that is. Right? I mean, they're at this wedding. They're having a party. There's three days after the, the baptism, and, and they're there, and then they run out of wine. Now, now you've probably been to a wedding before, and our weddings here, they tend to last a few hours. You know, the wedding service only maybe lasts uh, uh, 20 minutes or a half an hour, and then after that, everyone goes and they have, have a party of some sort where they eat and they drink and they, and they celebrate. Imagine being in that situation, though, and something runs out. You know, weddings are crazy experiences, especially if you're in it, right? Because there's so much drama that can be attached to a wedding. They can be very, very tense times 
They can, they can have a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. In fact, so much so, they've even made TV shows about what now they've called bridezillas, which is these, these sweet, innocent little girls who turn into monsters when they start planning their weddings, right? So, so that's what we see. We see this, the situation of a wedding, and everybody has different expectations. Everybody has different ideas, and, and you want to make sure everybody's pleased and happy. And to not adequately provide for your guests would cause social disgrace. It would haunt this couple for the rest of their life. Again, imagine going to a wedding and they run out of wine. Imagine going to the wedding and they run out of, you know, filet mignon. Imagine going to the wedding and they run out of wedding cake. You know, this is a tragic situation. This is a crisis for this married couple. And we all have crisis in our lives. Many of you have experienced crisis not too long ago. Maybe the crisis comes in the form of our plans falling apart. Maybe the crisis comes when our dreams, our expectations come crashing down. Maybe, maybe the crisis has been that you've experienced loss of some form, maybe a loved one in your life. You know, just today as I was preparing for this service, my computer crashed, and I suffered a loss of a chunk of my notes that I had to scramble and recreate before the service. It, 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 these crisis times that we have. Some of you, the crisis is an unmet expectation in life. Maybe the crisis is a financial nature. Maybe the crisis has something to do with your schooling or your education. And these things weigh heavily on us. And sometimes, unfortunately, things get worse before they get better. But in your notes, if you're taking them, your crisis is an opportunity for God's miracle. Your crisis is an opportunity for God's miracle. Think about it. All miracles begin with a crisis. Every single miracle that Jesus ever performed began with a crisis. Whether he was healing somebody who was sick, restoring their sight, Casting out uh, demonic influences out of a person or bringing someone back to life again or feeding hungry crowds of people. You cannot have a miracle without first having a crisis. And it can feel like you're getting hit by a, by a truckload of problems. It comes against you and feels like we're getting handed disappointment after disappointment like a car dealer just dealing them out and you're afraid to flip them over because you don't know, want to know what the crisis is going to be. They keep coming at you and we're afraid of what tomorrow may bring and that tomorrow's problems may be too much for us to bear. Many of us are living in this verse 3 where he says that they ran out of wine. Maybe the wine in your life. Maybe the joy has gone out of your life. Maybe the health has gone from your life. Maybe, maybe the money has gone from your life. And it has been for a long time. And you feel like you're at the end of the rope. That you've run out of rope. That you've run out of options. And that's where we find this married couple. Many of us are experiencing or have experienced terrible circumstances in life. It's like we're out of wine. We, we've run out of something that we once had. You were expecting that scholarship, but, but you just didn't get it. You know, the, the wine ran out. 
You, you were expecting the, the promotion at work, but instead you lost your job. The wine ran out. You had great expectations for your friends. Maybe your health is gone, and it seems like, like the wine has gone out. Bills are piling up. Maybe you're, you're broke. Maybe the, the relationships you had counted on have turned toxic, and it feels like the wine has gone out. Some are wondering, today, can I keep going on? Is life worth living? Can I keep moving forward despite all of these disappointments and setbacks and problems. Many of us are looking to solutions in other things rather than in Jesus. We're looking to, to addictions. We're looking to people. We're looking to, to fame and, and, and influential status and, and money. We're looking to these things rather than Jesus. But when we look to these things, we'll be sorely disappointed. What are you looking to? Who are you looking to? to fix the problems in your life. Maybe we need to follow Mary's example. See, Mary, what did she do? She turned to Jesus. She simply came up to Jesus and said, they have no more wine. That's really what she said to Jesus. She said, they have no more wine. Look what it says, continuing on in verse 4. Jesus says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Have your parents ever tried to get you to do something you didn't want to do? You know, it's like, you know, clean your room or, or do this or do that. Perform for us, you know. Uh, you know, say your ABCs for your grandma. You know, do this, do that. Like, they're trying to get you to do something. Jesus is 30 years old now. And here's mom. Jesus, like, I want you to do something for me. He's like, dear woman, that's not my problem. It's none of my business. Like, I'm just here to enjoy the party. I think it's interesting. Jesus didn't go there planning to do a miracle. He just went there to have a good time. And mom's like, Jesus, uh, they've ran out of wine. And he's like, oh, not my problem. Not my problem. I, I, it's just funny that, that, that Mary does it. And look, look what she does next. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Like, how did Mary know anything was even going to happen here? Like, as far as we know, this is the first recorded miracle that Jesus ever did. And here's Mary at a wedding going up to her son Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, they ran out of wine, goes to the servants, hey, servants, do whatever he tells you. I wonder had Jesus been practicing this at home for a while. You know, they're at Passover dinner, and, and, and Joseph's like, oh, man, I forgot to bring the wine. Jesus is like, have no fear. We have water. And, I, I, like, I don't know. I don't know if he did or not, but, but something gave Mary, his mother, the idea that Jesus could fix this problem. I don't know how. Hey, servants, do whatever he says. She put him on the spot. And her faith and her confidence attracted a miracle that we'll see. It's funny, too, that Jesus never even said he'd do it. You notice that? Like, like, all we see is she says, hey, they ran out of, problem, out of wine. He's like, hey, that's not my problem. Mother says, Turns, do whatever he tells you to do. Like, like, she doesn't take no for an answer. She's like, we, we're, we're getting this problem sorted out, Jesus. And I know you have the ability to do something here. So standing next nearby were six stone water jars used for ceremonial washing. And each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. I, I have a, a, a jar here. And this can hold approximately 30 gallons. So it, it was something similar to this. And, and there was six of them, these, these big stone jars holding around 20 to 30 gallons. It was used for their ceremonial washing. In verse 7, Jesus told the servants, okay, fill the jars with water. 
And then when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Underline that sentence there. So the servants followed his instructions. In your notes, our faith and obedience can attract God's miracles. Our faith and obedience. See, Mary, she had faith. These servants, they were kind of drugged into this whole thing, but they trusted something was going to happen. They obeyed the words of Jesus, and, and God's miraculous power often will begin with our obedience. We need to do whatever he tells us to do. It requires some obedience. It was water when they drew it out. You know, th th this jar here, again, about 30, 30 gallons or so. Where did they get all this water from? I mean, I mean, six of these, that, that, that's 180 gallons of water. Now, now, they could have had a river nearby, but most likely they had to get this out of a well. Now, I don't know how big the bucket was that they dropped down in the well, but let's assume for a moment that it was a three-gallon bucket, okay? So, so these servants are like, okay, they're like, go fill these up with water. They're like, water? Like, we ran out of wine. Didn't he hear that, that we ran out of wine? He's like, no, go fill them up with water. They go. They lower this uh, bucket down into the well. They pull up three gallons, come, pour it back. This is, we'll say it's 30 gallons. How many times they got to do it? 10 times. 10 times to fill up one. They got six of these containers. That's 60 times they're lowering this bucket down into the well, saying, what in the world are we doing? Like, like, like this is crazy. Like, like who, who does this guy, like, the problem wasn't that they ran out of water. They're like, well, what in the world is he doing? He's having us fill up these jars full of water. The challenge for, for us, though, is that we need to be faithful handling the water. Sometimes we're expecting the wine, but God is saying, I want you to, to handle the water. I want you to handle the small things. It didn't seem like anything supernatural was happening. All they're doing is, is pulling up this water and pouring it into these jars and pulling up this water and pouring it into these jars. Can our, can our cry be said, God, I will do what you tell me to, even if it seems silly, even if it seems absurd. They probably had to make 60 trips from the well, filling up these jars, fill, just scooping water, scooping water. This is pointless. What are we doing? Who is this crazy guy? We've never met him before in our life. Why are we doing this? And then he tells them, he says, oh, I want you to take this and bring this to the master ceremonies. No, like, they're like, what in the world is going on? But they chose to obey. It says in James Chapter 2, verse 17. It says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, our faith, we can believe all we want, but if we don't put that faith into action, it is dead. Might be saying, I'm trying this, I'm trying this thing, but, but it isn't working. I'm trying going to church, but it's just not working. I, I'm trying giving and living a life of generosity. I'm trying praying, and, and I, I've tried reading the Bible, but it's just not working. We need to stay obedient. We need to stay obedient pulling up the water, filling up the jugs. We need to stay obedient with what God has asked us to do. We need to stay focused on what he has commanded us to do. Keep dipping the water. Keep dipping the water. Now, some of you may, may come to church and, and you may say, oh, I, I believe, I believe in God. You may say you believe all day long, but in your notes, if you don't act on your faith, then your faith is dead. If you don't act on it, if you don't act on what you believe, then your faith is dead. These servants had to obey. They had to obey. They could have just sat there and done nothing and we would not have seen this miracle. 
Many of us are praying for wine, and yet God is giving us water, though. You're praying for one thing, and God brings something totally different. You're praying for the promotion, and you get laid off. You're praying for the relationship, and you don't meet somebody. You're praying for good health, and then you get a bad diagnosis. God is still at work, even when we're filling up the containers with water. Even when it doesn't seem like the wine we were hoping for and expecting, God is still at work in the details. In your notes, have the faith to keep obeying Jesus even when it feels like it isn't working. Many of us, we feel like, oh, I'm just doing this, I'm doing this, but it doesn't seem like it's working. Don't give up because you might be on the edge of the miracle. Keep moving forward. Keep praying. Keep showing love to that person that you just can't stand. But God is saying, I want you to love even your worst enemy. Now, how embarrassing would it be for them to give this water to the master of ceremonies? How embarrassing would it be? I I mean, that that took a step of faith, didn't it? For them to to grab the, the water and bring it. He says, take some of that water and take it to the master of ceremonies. So they go, and then they dip in there. Okay, well, here you go. Uh, how awkward would that have been? I, I mean, they're thinking, like, he's going to think we're nuts. Like, we're just coming up and we're offering him a cup of water here. I don't know. This is insane. They're probably looking at each other. They, I, I'm guessing they probably were betting. Like, like okay, I'm not doing it. Like, okay, who, who's going to do it? Okay, okay, how, how about this? Um, you know, one, two, three, you know, not it, not it. You know, they're like, okay, oh, you got to do it. You got to take the water to the master of ceremonies. Master of ceremonies was a lot like the DJ is now, you know, at the wedding. They, they kind of keep everything moving. They keep everybody doing the right thing at the right time, eating the right thing, dancing the right song. That's kind of what this master of ceremonies did. And these servants would be like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but here, here, I'm just doing what the master told me. It says in John 2, 9, When the master of ceremonies had tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over, and he said, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, then he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. I mean, this makes sense. Normally, you would serve the best stuff first. Normally, you, you serve, the, serve the, the best stuff, and then, and then when everybody's kind of little, getting a little tipsy, a little bit drunk, then they bring out the cheap stuff. You know, this wasn't boxed wine that they were serving. I, I got a bottle of wine here. This is, you know, about a $40 bottle of wine. You know, it's not the most expensive. You can spend, I guess, a lot more. I don't even know what this tastes like, but I'm sure it's probably good. $40, I mean, this is good stuff. This isn't boxed wine. And imagine, though, at this moment, after they've been drinking this wine, now Jesus makes this wine. He says, wait a minute. You've saved the best until last? They got 180 gallons of this stuff. 180 gallons. I, I, I like math a little bit, so I did a little bit of math. You know, the average bottle of wine is about 750 milliliters. That means Jesus had made 900 bottles of wine. If they average $40 now, now I'm guessing that any wine that Jesus made was probably far better than whatever this is in my hand right now. Okay, but let's just assume that it was $40 a bottle. That's over $36,000 of wine that Jesus brought to the wedding. It's like, hey, mama, okay, you want some wine? Here's some wine. 
I mean, that must have been some good stuff. That, that must have been the best wine they had ever had in their entire life. And Jesus says, okay, fine, here. And they bring this. See, in your notes, God's best is coming. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. He said, oh, well, normally you serve the good stuff first, but no, God says, I'm going to bring the best stuff last. So don't lose hope. His best is coming. We need to hang on to that, that he's going to show up. You know, it was water when they drew it out of the well. It was water when they poured it in. Then they pulled it out. I don't know at what point it turned into wine. Like, we don't know at what point it was. Like, like was it when, when, when the guy first touched it to his lips? Did they take it and pour it into his glass and it turned into wine? Did it turn into wine? And I don't know exactly when it happened. But they could have given up at any point along this process. They could have given up and said, this is pointless. What are we doing? All we're doing is wasting our time bringing 60 buckets of water to fill up six stone jars to go and make fools of ourselves in front of the master of ceremonies. And yet, when they bring it to him, it turns into wine. It reminds me of a story from the Old Testament before Jesus came on the scene uh, of, a, of a man named Naaman, and he was sick with leprosy, a horrible skin disease. He went to a prophet for healing, and the prophet said, all you have to do is go to the Jordan River and dip yourself in the river seven times, and you'll come out clean. The, the leader was, was furious. He's like, why can I do that? I can dig a bath in cleaner water in my own homeland. But yet the servant challenged him to do it, and he went, and he dipped in the water one time. Nothing happened. Two times, nothing happened. Three times, nothing happened. Four times, five times, six times. And he could have stopped at number six, but he went the seventh time. And when he came out, his skin disease had been completely healed and completely restored. What happens when we give up along the way? When we don't follow through with the process, when we don't continue obeying God and obeying the things that he has set out for us to do? we got to take the steps. You know, Jesus could have done this miracle on his own. He didn't need any help. He didn't need the servants. He didn't need anybody. He could have just, just pulled water out of the well on his own. You ever think about that? The fact that Jesus asked the servants to go and, and get the water? Like, Jesus could have done that. He could have just made the wine materialize out of thin air if he wanted to. And yet, he wanted the servants to play a part in it. He chose to use them. This miracle would not have happened if it wasn't for the obedience of the servants. And maybe the miracle that you're looking for in your life, maybe God is waiting on you. Maybe he has something that he wants you to do. It's again, it's like scooping out that water. It doesn't seem very important. It seems mundane, but God wants to use you. The servants did what they were told and they saw a miracle happen. In your notes, Jesus can make a miracle out of the mundane it's just water it's just water for crying out loud we got water everywhere and yet jesus made a miracle out of the mundane it says in philippians 4 19 we'll close with this verse it says and my god will supply all of your needs according to his riches in jesus christ my god will supply all of your needs according to his riches not yours God supplied the wine for that wedding according to his riches, not the uh, master of ceremonies or the bridegroom. Final thing in your notes is that our need allows God to reveal his surplus. My God shall supply 
all of my needs. God provided this jar for me today, okay? Like today, I was like, I need a big jar that I can use to illustrate this. So I went to the home improvement store and I looked around and I found this there. And I was like, oh, that'll serve just nice. But it was $90 and I was like, $90? Like, I don't really want to spend that. But I'm like, well, I'll do it anyway. So, so I'm going to the checkout and the cashier looks at it. He's like, that thing looks like garbage. He's like, you know what? You can just have it. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm like, what better time for God to provide something than when we're talking about how God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and his glory. So what do you do in your life when you run out of wine? Where do you turn? You turn to your job, you turn to your education today is a day to turn to jesus to find hope in jesus that we can look to jesus for our solutions things may get worse before god makes them better but he will always make them better he is working in the details he is working in the situation he's working while we're scooping water out he's working so keep faithful in the small things Keep obeying him in the middle of crisis. Keep seeking Jesus first above all things. Stay in his word. Stay in prayer. Stay spending time of silence and solitude listening for the voice of God. You have to look to Jesus to be your solution. And don't lose hope. See, what Jesus did at that wedding, he can do for you. What Jesus did when he took what they had lacking and he gave them above and beyond what they could ask or think. God wants to do that for you, but we need to obey him. We need to look to him and he can bring forth a miracle of transformation, like turning this water into wine. He can take the natural and make it supernatural because he is the God of miracles and he is working in your life, bringing transformation now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for providing all of our needs according to your riches and your glory. And just like in that story, when they brought what they had, they brought the water, and Jesus did the supernatural. Lord, Lord, we come to you now Say, so take the little that we have. Take the little that we have. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, don't let another day go by. He wants to bring transformation into your life today. He wants to bring renewal into your life today. He wants to bring restoration into your life today. If only you'll call on his name. Scripture says, if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Won't you call on his name now and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm turning my life over to you. Bring the transformation. Turn the water that I have into wine, O Lord. So, Father, we ask you to work in the situations of our life. Let us be obedient to you. Let us be obedient to you. Like those servants were obedient. You know, Jesus, he could have just made that water come out, but he didn't. He didn't just make it come out of the well, but he sent the servants to obey. Lord, let us be willing servants who obey you 
and come to you with great expectation, with great faith, trusting that we will see miracles happen when we believe, that we will see miracles happen when we come to you in faith, obeying your word, spending time with you in scripture. So Father, we bring to you the little that we have and we put it in your hands and we say, we trust you with the outcome. We trust that you are working and that you are moving in our lives and we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.